All right, everybody, I am here with Michelle Bangara, a phenomenal teacher in Arcadia Unified School District. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, I'm glad that I could be part of this. I so appreciate you taking some time. I know you've been busy all day, but we'll make this quick. The goal is to have this be done in um, 20 minutes or less. Perfect. Right? So we're going to yep. write it. So the first thing is, I just love for you to tell everybody a little bit about you, who you are, why you're in education, especially education right now. Okay. Um, so this is my 10th year of teaching and it is my fourth year in the current district that I'm in. And uh, my background was not in teaching at all. And I did not go to school <laughs> to be a teacher. After I graduated at 23, I decided to go and get my teaching credential because I really just love learning. I really love the idea that education is, you know, it can be a gatekeeper to a lot of different things and opening that gate for all students is super important to me. And so how do you do that? You become the teacher that you think kids need. Um, even if you didn't see it growing up. So I think coming from my background, my dad is an immigrant from India um, and education has always been very important to our family. And he came here with nothing except for his education. And he was able to come here and go to university here and he really built a life for us. And so it's always just been important. Everyone have that opportunity to do that, to build a life, to learn new skills, to be part of society. And so that's why I got into education and it's why I stayed <laughs> even with the pandemic. Um, you know, before we started talking, you said, well, why did you stay? Lots of people are leaving. And there was an opportunity for a coaching position in our district that someone asked if I was interested in applying for. And I kind of said, why would I leave the classroom now with this one opportunity that will never arise again? <laughs> we hope. Right. No, we hope. Okay. So we hope. So um, I really had to think about it. I'm not ready to leave the classroom. I love the kids. Um, even in year 10, I feel like there's always opportunity to grow. And I thought that this year I would never again have this opportunity to really refine my skills and my teaching pedagogy in such a strange environment. And so I wanted to see what I could do, to be honest. I wanted to see what I could do. I wanted to see what kids could do. And and the pandemic provided that opportunity to kind of make some adjustments. So I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave and miss the opportunity. I love it. I love it. Well, and that's a, a perfect segue into kind of this uh, trifecta of, of what I want you to share. So the first one is just, what are some bright spots? You know, we hit March whatever was your day that you all shut down. And between mm -hmm. then and now, what are some things that you just didn't expect that have been like powerful or meaningful for you or for your learners? I mean, there are a lot of things and obviously what happened in the spring can't be comparable to what we're doing in the fall right now, which I think everyone has said, but even for myself in our district, I always feel like we're supported and we're giving a lot of flexibility and leeway. And with that comes the motivation to do things well. And that's really important. You know, we say that with our kids too. If you give them some freedom, you give them high expectations, and then you give them some flexibility, they'll surprise you. And so in the spring, um, one of the bright spots was that we were not required to meet every day with our kids online because we didn't know how long we'd be out. But I did set a schedule of on Tuesdays and Thursdays for like four hours straight, I'm having Zooms sign up on this Google Doc if you want to do it. And mine were always full. And so that, that was not teaching time. 
Um, you know, I used a lot of screencasts and stuff during the fall because, I mean, during the spring, um, because we weren't really supposed to be introducing new standards, et cetera. We didn't want to overwhelm kids. It was an emergency distance learning situation. But it was nice to have those eight hours a week of just talking with kids um, because I missed them, they missed each other. And so that was nice. Like that was definitely a bright spot that kids chose to come and chose to continue a relationship, which is always, you know, very positive and fun. Um, I am nothing if not transparent in a lot of things. <laughs> One of the things I appreciate most about you. But I think that transparency goes in a lot of different ways. I try to make my classroom transparent. And so what I actually love about distance learning is the transparency of what's happening in my classroom that parents can sit next to their kid and hear everything I'm doing. And it does not bother me one bit. I love it. I love it. Awesome. And you are probably on the rare side of that where, you know. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure that I am. But for me, I consider education to be a partnership. Yeah. And what that partnership looks like and is different for every child and student we have because they come from different circumstances. But, you know, I teach the special education push-in class. I teach Title I kids and I teach ELD kids and I teach what we would call, you know, the regular track. And they're all, you know, they're not homogenous classes. They're all mixed together. And a lot of times, especially with my ELD parents, I never even get an opportunity to see them yeah. because they feel disconnected because of language. And now I have these classes with siblings and with parents in the background. And it's like, go get your mom, tell her to say hi. And even that kind of family connection where they get to see us, I think is important. And it goes both ways. I've had some kids who are so amazing. I'm like, wait, we're stopping. Go get your dad. I have to tell him how much I love you. Go get whatever parents at home. I know they're working right now, but please, I can't, we cannot wait. We will all wait. Go get your parent. And they'll like run out of the room and grab a parent. I'm like, I just have to tell you I love your kid. <laughs> they're so great. And it goes the other way too. If I need someone to refocus, it's like immediate parent meeting. Go to a breakout room, get your parent, let's address it right now. And w when are you ever gonna get that level of support? Right. Only when you're literally inside their homes, which we are right now, so it's great. I love that. Do you have families that actually have been sitting like kind of with their kids while learning's happening? And, and, I, have, and I have suggested it. Yeah, awesome. And I've suggested it. I've said, you're more than welcome to be part of this class. You know, your child probably doesn't want you to sit in the frame. I don't mind it. If you'd like to sit in the frame so you could see their screen, do it. If you want to sit to the side, do it. If you have a sibling that you're helping, sit with us. Like it just is what it is. And so I, I appreciate the transparency. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, I know you were always open, you know, back in normal times. So parents could come and sit in your class and kind of see what's happening. But this real time way to kind of give them the insight I hadn't thought about that before. That's that's very cool. Yeah, and just even the transparency of you actually knowing where your student is on their skill level. And I'm here right now to explain to you if you don't understand the rubric or the what mastery looks like, because I feel like these physical buildings are also in a way a gatekeeper to families. Like what's going on with my kids' achievement other than seeing you two times a year for a five-minute conference. And now it's like, Hey, you want a conversation? I'm here. Let's do it. I love that. That's awesome, Michelle. 
All right, how about, so the next thing is barriers. So this could be something that you've already overcome that might be helpful for somebody to hear because maybe they're challenged right now with the same thing. Mm -hmm. Something you're currently still facing and, and you wanna put it out there to the world and maybe there's others that have already solved it that we can connect back to you. You know, some of the barriers are things that it's just such a large structural barrier, like access to internet and access to Wi-Fi. And those, of course, are gonna be common for all of us. No matter how highly resourced your district is, you will have students um, who do not have the resources. And so that becomes disheartening to know that you wanna help all your kids and you wanna provide them with access to education. And there is only so much as a classroom teacher that you feel like you can do. And that, that's more of a mental barrier of saying, what can I allow you know, to be undone because these kids don't have access. What opportunities can I give for one-to-one when maybe the connection is better? How often can I reach out to a parent and say, what can we do for you? And, you know, some of those things, they get just have to be moved up the ladder. Um, and so that will always be a barrier. And I, I don't know in my position currently as classroom teacher, if I can ever surmount those barriers for our kids, that is a structural barrier. Um, Obviously, the other barrier is for some kids, like my students in my collaboration class, the inability to have the person there next to them, which provides some of that motivation and even just confidence for them is missing. And so I have one student, I love him so much. And he told me one day he's like and he's in my collaboration class and he was getting he was in his breakout room and i was working with them and i was kind of going back and forth to different rooms and when i got back into his he was upset and it was clearly visible on his face and he was like i am angry and upset (laughs) (laughs) and you know me i'm like tell me more because that doesn't upset me if I what upsets me is you not saying it so i said okay tell me why are you angry upset this is hard and i need help I said, okay, so tell me what you need. And he said, I just need to be sitting right next to you. When can we get back in those physical buildings? <laughs> and you know, it was so cute. It also broke my heart. It was so cute. And so you have those kids, you know, that this will never replace the support that they get in person. And that can be hard. And so you know, what ends up happening is we just give more of our time. (laughs) So that has been my solution is it's, you know, I've met with, I have about three that just really need more support and I have just given them more time. Like that's what it is. I've carved out specific 30 minutes every day. It's just your kid and me. And because I can't think of another way, like I just really can't think of another option. Well, and that's probably a great segue into the bridge part, which is, you know, some kids are doing phenomenally in distance. Mm-hmm. You know, the social... Well, they're thriving. Right? Yeah. My daughter is one. I keep talking about her. People are like, stop talking about your daughter. But I'm like, she has over a 4.0. She's never had over a 4.0. Mm-hmm. But she's a social kid. So she can just focus, get her work done, and then go be social. Mm-hmm. But there are other kids where social, like... The relationship, the elective, lunchtime, like those are the things that get kids to school to learn. 
Right. And now they don't have that. Right. And so what do you envision, like going back to school, kind of taking the best of self-paced, this transparency piece, like how do we keep what's been good, but still push the edges of what school should be when we go back? So it's interesting you say that because there is, in my opinion, this phenomenon that's going on in my classes um, because I teach sixth grade and they're coming from the elementary and this is their first year of middle school. And these kids are good kids. And by good kids, I don't mean straight A students or don't need help. I mean that in this environment, it's been so strange. There's been no opportunity to form cliques. There's been no opportunity for that self-consciousness that occurs in person. Um, and even this insecurity that kids get in middle school because of the way that it's set up, right? This just huge transition. And then they're on a campus with eighth graders, you know, 14, they're coming 10 and 11. So it's been very interesting, actually, that social piece. I feel like because of it, and we talked about this um, in Friday at our PD, these sixth graders are so helpful to each other. And on the screen, you look and you're like, you two wouldn't be friends. <laughs> <laughs> and they're messaging me privately, you know, from their breakout group and saying, hey, so-and-so's really behind. And I tried, we tried to help them in the group, but when we came, come for a session in afternoons, maybe I could just take them to a breakout room and help them one-on-one. -on -one. And it's this very interesting phenomenon, you know, that they're coming up with on their own so that everyone, you know, like no kid left behind, right? So, and they're doing it with each other with these with these kids that maybe they would not have thought about it, wouldn't have crossed their mind. Right. Um, because it's a different type of socialization now. It's a, it's a socialization built on learning in our classroom community, yeah. not on outside social pressures. Well, and I think to your point of the transparency that's happening, they're more aware of how their peers are performing, doing maybe mm -hmm. than they would be in the seven class schedule every day, you know, the week. Yeah, because a lot of the stuff they are having to do together, like I'm not over their shoulder. And you guys, as you know, in my class, they're put in groups based on their personality type. <laughs> so they also have that transparency. They took their personality test. They wrote a whole analysis of it. And they're, they're, they read them and said, hey, this is what I'm like. This is what my peer is like. These are the things they struggle with and insecurities. These are the things that they feel they come off as. And so even that transparency, right? And so now they're a little bit more understanding myself, a little bit more understanding of you. And so, yeah, the environment for me, that social part has actually been positive. Even if you see it in the chat on Zoom and Google Meet, the way they're talking to each other, joking around, but being nice, you know, because it's almost like, you're still a stranger, but I know you. Right. So How do you envision that being replicated then back in the classroom? Do you think it um, can be? Yeah, I mean, that's always a cultural thing. I think that um, the school I'm at has a great culture. We have kids who have a good culture. We have programs in place to support that culture. And even that mentorship, right? We have the web program where eighth graders and sixth graders are paired. Um, I don't know, because our kids are not in isolation here, you know? our sixth graders just will not be, it's not the way it works. So I don't know if it will ever be perfectly replicated, but I think that having this year together in this way, I'm curious to see how it translates when they come back for seventh grade or if they come back this year for a second semester, what that looks like. 
you know, but I've, I've found it to be an interesting part of the dynamic and a positive one. Um, and that is something for bridging, like, what does it look like when we come back? And even the structure we have in, in our classes of, you know, I have my kids for a block anyway in the physical school year. So for me, taking what we've been doing and continuing, I've always been a little bit flexible, but continuing the flexibility for grading, for turning in assignments, which again, I, I have always had. I think I see the importance of it more now. Whereas before I just always had it and I kind of like idealistically thought it was important. <laughs> But in practicality, I see the importance of, you know, giving multiple opportunities, giving flex flexibility in due dates, showing me if you know it, you know it. Why do I care when you turned it in type of thing? And then that transparency with them in the communication piece, I, I really like. They are very comfortable emailing, chatting me, and that's a different dynamic too. When they're talking to you in the chat, they feel like they're text messaging you. But that's a friend. That's not a teacher. That's someone you enjoy talking to. So even they'll send me very professional emails following the email template, you know? And then in the chat, they're like, LOL. Like <laughs> abbreviating everything. Yeah, like joking with me, like how you joke with your friends, sending me silly faces, things like that, like emojis in the chat, you know, like a regular kind of back and forth. And so I, I hope that relationship piece for all teachers kind of translates over too. Cool. All right, you made it to the end. But now here's the hard part. Ugh. Fun fact about Michelle. My favorite fun fact is I hate these dumb fun facts. <laughs> There's nothing interesting that. about me, Katina. <laughs> oh, come on now. Okay, so my favorite fun fact, which is not even a fun fact, and it's dumb. <laughs> but you're making me do this. So I will do it for you is I love learning and I love new ideas and you know I'm a I'm a current doctoral student so I clearly love education and that I am the worst person to sit at at a PD I will distract you the entire time and not do anything except for the one PD I told you about that I really loved, <laughs> really loved. awesome well I am gonna actually look into that so uh, we'll have to uh, share notes if I can somehow yeah. figure out how to attend. All right, lady, well, you are awesome for taking some time. I know you were busy, busy with all of your virtual hours and supports. Um, and what I'd love is maybe in a couple months, once everybody's like really in a routine, is to just to come back and come back around and see if anything's changed significantly or whether or not you guys are back in school. So I have an idea for that. Yeah. Be really fun. What is if it? I could bring a couple of my kids. I would love that. Yeah, That's part of what I want to do is um, I need to get a couple parents and I want to have some kids' voices that yeah. and you know help us think about what they would like to see. Yeah, they were super excited because I actually have class till 310, but I had to meet you at 3. So I told them, I was like, I got to go, guys. So the rest, if you need help, email me because they're just typing like a final draft. I was like, let me know what you need, but I have to go. I'm doing this podcast. And they're like, oh, and they totally would jump at the chance to be on something. So. I love it. Well, maybe we should do a student one. If you can get a couple kids that like get permission or whatever. Of course. Student one sooner. And then yeah. we'll do like a check-in in a couple months. I would love that. 
Oh my God. I've got some kids who got great online personalities. I love it. That's perfect. Yeah. I'll send you that Calendly back. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can figure out a good time to do it. Yeah, for sure. It's recorded. And then I'll make sure to share this link so you can share it with your kids to listen. <laughs> Sounds okay? good. Yeah. All right, lady. Good to see you. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye.